And so we've come to our, this place in the story to where Adam and Eve, our first parents, they sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, right? Everything was perfect up until then. And then Adam and Eve sinned, and all of the human race, Adam and Eve and all of their children, including you and I, spiraled into sin and darkness and enmity or hatred with God. Yet there in the Garden of Eden, God promised that he's going to send a savior, a seed of the woman, he calls her, who's going to come and fix everything. Now, it's not until we get to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know who that one is. But all throughout the Old Testament is the story of God's promise that a Messiah, a Savior, is going to come and fix the problem, going to bring us back to God, and it's the story of how God brings that about. And so he's doing it through the family of Abraham, right, and uh, the Jewish people. He brought them out of exile through the Red Sea. And he gave them through the wilderness, brought them to the promised land, right? Remember that story we left off with a couple of weeks ago? That promised land. He gave them a land, a home of their own that he gave to them. Well, now here's where we pick up the story here. This comes from the book of 1 Samuel. Again, it's a story about Jesus. So God's people now had a new land. But now, like all the other nations around them, they wanted a king. But God is your king, God, uh, Samuel told them. He's the one who looks after you the best. But they said, no, we want a real king, one we can see. Now, why would they say that, young people? They, they said, we want a king, and Samuel said, God is your king. And they said, no, we want one we can see. What does that tell us about God? I'm seeing it right here. You can't see him. God is invisible, isn't he? Yeah, he's invisible. That's just who he is. He's, isn't that crazy? He's invisible. And so now, that's why they say, well, we can't see God. So we want one we can see. And God knew that a king might not be kind to his people or look after them the way that he did, but God's people didn't care. They wanted a king, and they wanted him now. So, as God often does, God gave them what they wanted. And the first king he gave them was Saul. Now, Saul at first seemed like a good king, but he became proud and full of himself, and he stopped listening to the voice of God. He didn't obey God. He didn't love God with his whole heart. And Saul said, I got this. I can do this my own way. So God said, Saul is not the king that I want for my people. I need a king, I want a king who loves me, God says, who will teach my people to love me. I need a true king. And God said, I've got just the man in mind. Now let me ask you for a second, young people, think about this, kids. When you're picking out a king, what kind of king do you, person do you want to be king? Do you want somebody, what, what, what do you want a king to be like? What do you think about? Is he, what does he look like? Pink. Pink. Well, maybe. <laughs> what else? Yeah. Man, that's a great answer. That is the ideal king, someone who's going to teach the people about God and somebody who's going to be a good, God-like king. Man, that's, that's who you, God would want the king to be. But man sometimes thinks differently. I love that answer. 
Sometimes God's going to say, man, you, you look on the outside. Man sometimes wants a king that's big and strong and tall and big muscles and commands, you know, respect. Usually somebody kind of handsome. God says, I've got somebody in mind, and it might not be what you expect. So God told Samuel, to find this king, go to Bethlehem, and you're going to find a king there. And so Samuel obeyed. Samuel went to the little town of Bethlehem, and God told Samuel, now I want you to go to Jesse's house. There's a man named Jesse. Go to his house. He's got seven sons. One of those sons is the man I've chosen to be the king. Now, in those days, like we just said, if you're going to be the king, you didn't have to be the richest or the smartest, although those things were nice. You, you just had to look like a king, which meant you had to be the tallest and the strongest. And the reason was you wanted the king to carry a big sword, Right? You wanted this guy to be intimidating. You wanted him to be a warrior. Because well, as, as, when you went into battle, like against other nations, you wanted your king to be the strongest, the biggest, right? Yes, to punch bad guys. Absolutely. They just had swords back then. Guns weren't around yet. But God said, I've got of these sons, I know the one it's going to be. So Samuel... Ask Jesse, bring me each of your sons one at a time. So Jesse began with the oldest, the biggest, the tallest, and the strongest. Jesse thought, well, this has to be the king God has in mind. He looks like a king, but guess what? God didn't choose that one. You're thinking about what he looks like on the outside, God told Samuel. I'm looking at his heart, kind of like what Gage just said. I'm looking for a man of character who loves me and is going to teach about me. So Samuel said, bring me the next son. And so he brought the next oldest, the next tallest, the next strongest. And again, God said, that's not the one. In fact, God didn't choose any of the seven sons. And so Samuel said to Jesse, well, God says one of your sons is his king. You say you've brought me all of them? And Sam, uh, Jesse says, yes, well, there is one more. But he's the smallest, the weakest, the most nothing. He, he's not going to be the king. And Samuel says, well, bring him on anyway. Jesse laughed. Oh, my goodness. All right. So Jesse's youngest son, the smallest, came running up. And God said to Samuel, this is the man. What? Because this is the man that God had in had mind. This young man was a guy after God's own heart. He, God says, this little one is the one who's going to help me with my rescue plan that I talked about all the way back in the Garden of Eden. When I said I'm going to send my Savior, this is the one who's going to help me. And so in that moment, Samuel anointed David's head with oil. So what that means is this. David kind of kneeled down in front of Samuel, and he took a little bottle of oil, and he sprinkled it on his head. Now, that sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Because who wants oil in their head? That's a great question. Why? That was the way you, you anointed a person as king. So that by Samuel doing this, he was saying, this is God's king. And sure enough, David became king. God chose David to be, be, uh, to be king because he was getting the people ready for an even greater king. Now, here's the most important part of this story. He was helping the people to understand that just like David is not the kind of king that people would have expected, 
so too he's getting the people ready to understand that he has an even better king on the way. And it's going, and that's a great question. Why? And it's because David is not the Savior. Who is the Savior? Those of you who've been listening to the story. God and his son Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the king who's going to come. But when Jesus comes, guess what? He's not going to look like all the other kings. He's not going to be the biggest. Jesus wasn't the strongest. Jesus didn't carry a big sword at all. Jesus didn't look the part. But Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. So even this story about David being selected king is just preparing the way for us to understand when Jesus comes, he's not going to look like a king. But make no mistake about it. He is the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And that's why we gathered this morning to sing. That's why we as adults, we gather together to make much of Jesus. He is God's king. And our prayer for these young people is that they, as they better come to know who Jesus is and better understand their need for Jesus because they're sinners just like you and I are, that Jesus would be king for them as well.